Chapter 8 Myths of Greece and Rome, Part 4 of Junior Classics, Volume 2 Folk Tales and Myths. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Junior Classics, Volume 2 Folk Tales and Myths by William Patton. Chapter 8 Myths of Greece and Rome. Part 4 The Vengeance of Apollo by Sir George W. Cox. In the cool evening time, King Darius walked in his royal garden, and the noblest of the Persians were around him. Then came there a messenger from the western land in haste and said, O king, the men of Athens with the sons of Javan have taken the city of Sardis, and the temple of the great goddess Kabil has been burnt. And King Darius answered quickly and said, What sayest thou, O messenger, that men of whom I have never heard the name have come with my slaves against the land of the great king? Then he bade them bring a bow and arrows, and while some one went for them, the Persians stood round him in silence, for they feared to speak while the king was angry. He took the bow, fitted an arrow to it, and shot it up into the sky, and prayed, O Jupiter, that dwellest in the high heavens, suffer me to be avenged upon the men of Athens. The sons of Javan are my slaves, and sorely shall they be smitten for the deeds which they have done. Then he gave command, and each day when the banquet was spread in the gilded hall, and the king sat down to meet, there stood forth one who said with a loud voice, O king, forget not the men of Athens. But Jupiter hearkened not to the prayer of the great king, for the ships were made ready, and his chieftains and warriors hastened away to the Athenian land and fought in Marathon. They fared not well in the battle, for the men of Athens strove mightily for their country, so in great fear the Persians fled to the seashore, while the men of Athens slew them on the land and in the water as they struggled to reach the ships. And when the fight was over, they spoiled the Persians who lay dead on the seashore, and took rich plunder, for scattered about they found embroidered turbans, and bright swords, and daggers, and golden bits, and bridles and silken robes and jewels. Thus sped the hosts of King Darius, and the messengers came again in haste, as he sat on his golden throne in Susa, while the nobles of Persia did obeisance before him. Then the king said, Speak, O man, hast thou brought good tidings that my slaves have chastised the people of the strange city? And the messenger answered, saying, O king, the men of Athens have slain thy mighty men with the sword, and burned thy ships, and few come back of all the great army which thou didst send against them. Great and fierce was the wrath of King Darius when he heard the tidings, and he hastened to make ready ships and men and horses, that he might go forth himself against the men of Athens. Then in every city of the Persian land was heard the noise as of men who have a great work to do, and the armorers wrought spears and swords and shields, and in the harbors they built countless ships 
to sail over the dark sea. But Jupiter hearkened not yet to the prayer of the king. So Darius died, and Xerxes, his son, sat upon his throne. And the chief men of the Persians were gathered round him. Then the king spake and said, Be ready, O Persians, every one of you, for I will go forth with all my great power, and make slaves of the men of Athens. And so may the gods do to me, and more also, if I burn not the temples of their gods with fire, and bring not hither the golden treasures which lie in the house of Phoebus Apollo at Delphi. Then with all his great hosts, King Xerxes set forth from Susa, and his governors and warriors and slaves followed him with a great multitude of every nation and people. And they crossed over from the land of Asia by a bridge which was built over the sea of Hella. Thus they journeyed on in pomp and glory, and King Xerxes thought that they had done great things when his host slew Leonidas and three hundred men of Sparta who guarded the passes of Thermopylae. So his heart was filled with pride, and he chose out the bravest of his warriors and charged the men of Thessaly to lead them to Delphi and the temple of Phoebus Apollo. There was great fear and terror in Delphi. A messenger came and said, The hosts of King Xerxes are come to slay the men of this land, and take away the treasures which lie in the house of King Apollo. So the Delphians went in great sorrow to the temple, and bowed their heads to the earth, and prayed, saying, Child of the light, who dwellest here in thy holy temple? Thieves and robbers are coming against us, and they are purposed to take away thy sacred treasures. Tell us then, what shall we do, for at thy bidding we are ready to bury them deep in the earth till the storm of war be overpassed. Then came there a voice from the inmost shrine, but it was not the voice of the priestess, for Phoebus Apollo himself came down to speak his will and said, Move them not, men of Delphi, I will guard my holy place, and none shall lay hand on my sacred things. So they went away in gladness of heart, and made ready for the coming of the Persians. All the men of Delphi left the city, saving only sixty men and the prophet Acharatos, and these sat down before the steps of the temple. In silence they waited till the Persians should come, and they marveled at the great stillness on the earth and in the heaven. There was not a cloud in the sky, and the two peaks of Parnassus glistened in the blazing sunshine. Not a breath lifted the green leaves of the sacred laurels. Not a bird sang in the breathless air. Presently, as he turned round to look, the prophet saw the sacred weapons of Phoebus, which no mortal man might touch, lying on the temple steps. And he said to the sixty men who tarried with him, Lo, now will Phoebus fight for his holy temple, for his own hand hath made ready the weapons for the battle. Soon in the deep valley and along the bank of the Castellian stream were seen the hosts of the Persians, as they came on with their long spears flashing in the bright sunshine. Far away the men of Delphi saw the blaze of their burnished armor and heard the tramp of their war horses. Onward they came and they said one to another, The gods have fought for us, and the prize is won already. See yonder is the home of Phoebus and none remain of the men of Delphi to do battle for his holy temple. Still the sun shone 
without a cloud in the sky, and no breeze broke the stillness of the laurel groves. Still glistened the sacred arms as they lay on the steps of the temple, and the open doors showed the golden treasures which were stored up within. There lay the throne of Midas, and the golden line of Croesus. There lay the mighty mixing bowl, all of pure gold, which at the bidding of Croesus was wrought by the Samian Theodorus. There lay all the rich gifts which the men of Hellas had offered up to win the favor of the Lord Apollo. Then the leaders of the Persians stretched forth their hands, as though all these things were given up to them by the God who had forsaken his people. But even as they came near his holy ground, the lightning flashed forth, and the crash of the thunder was heard in the blue heaven, and the dark cloud fell on the peaks of Parnassus. Like the roar of a raging torrent, the mighty wind burst forth. Down from the steps of the Delphian hills thundered the huge rocks, and the trees uptorn from their roots were hurled at the host of the barbarians. Louder and fiercer grew the din. Cries and shoutings were heard from the Allian chapel, for the virgin Minerva fought against the men of Xerxes. Smitten by the fiery lightnings, they fell on the quaking earth. Suddenly there was heard a sound more fierce and terrible, and two cliffs were hurled down from the mountaintop. Underneath this huge mass, the mightiest of the Persians lay still in the sleep of death, and all who yet lived fled with quaking hearts and trembling steps from the great wrath of the Lord Apollo. So fought the god for his holy temple. When from their hiding places the men of Delphi saw that the Persians fled, they poured forth from the caves and thickets to slay them. They smote them as sheep are slain before the altar of sacrifice, for even the bravest of their warriors lifted not their arms against them. Long time they followed after them in hot haste, and among them were seen two giant forms, clothed in bright armor, smiting down the hosts of the enemy. Then they knew that Philacos and Autonus, the heroes of the place, had come forth to aid them, and they smote the Persians more fiercely till the going down of the sun. So the fight was ended, and the stars came forth in the cloudless sky, and the laurel groves were stirred by the soft evening breeze. With songs of high thanksgiving, the men of Delphi drew near to the temple, and saw that Phoebus had placed again within his shrine the sacred arms which no mortal man may handle. Then was their rich spoil gathered, and the holy place of Apollo shone with gifts of gold and silver, which the men of Delphi offered in gladness of heart, for all the great things which he had done for them. And in every house of the Delphians were seen robes and turbans, rich with gold and silver and embroidery. On their walls hung spears and shields and swords and daggers, which the Persians bore when they came to Delphi. In after days they told their children the wondrous tale, how Phoebus Apollo smote down the hosts of Xerxes, and they showed them the spoils which they took by the aid of the bright heroes, and the two rocks lying on the holy ground before his shrine, which Phoebus tore from the peaks of Parnassus in the day of his great vengeance. End of chapter 8 Myths of Greece and Rome Part 4 Recorded by Peter Strom, Sabetha, Kansas On June 7th, 2018